This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. Help taking your leadership to the next level. Uh, this week on the podcast, we uh, interview Adrian Bracy. She is an MBA and CPA, an author, business and personal coach, consultant, and motivational speaker. She's also the retired chief executive officer of the YWCA in Metro St. Louis, where she served for nearly 12 years. After spending 18 years in senior financial management with the National Football League, the Miami Dolphins, St. Louis Rams, and the Arizona Cardinals, Bracey transitioned to the nonprofit sector to follow her passion, that is to inspire and make a difference in the lives of women and girls. Bracey has received numerous awards throughout her career, including the Black Enterprise 50 Most Powerful Blacks in Sports, Black Enterprise 50 Most Powerful Women in Business, and the St. Lewis Business Journal's Most Influential Business Women. She graduated from the Morgan State University in Baltimore with a degree in accounting and from Nova Southeastern University with a master's in business administration. Bracey is a certified John Maxwell coach, trainer, and speaker, and is certified through the CAPP Institute Coaching and Positive Psychology. She and her husband, Vernon, have one son, Donovan, and are members of the Shalom Church, City of Peace. This is a great conversation with Adrian, and it uh, spans a wide uh, variety of topics, and I think uh, you will be greatly blessed for listening. And uh, without further ado, I'll turn it over to Richard uh, with his conversation with Adrian Bracey. Well, everyone, it's my privilege to have Adrian Bracey here with me today. And of course, this is always a highlight for me when I get to interview leaders uh, from across uh, the country and the world. Uh, everyone has such an amazing and interesting, unique journey and I just love hearing their journey. And, um, and of course, uh, leadership roles don't just get doled out to anybody. It's not just the luck of the draw. Uh, it's how people handle their life and how they handle their experiences. And as uh, Scripture says, if you're faithful in a little, God gives you more. And so I'm always interested in how people have taken the life that God's given them and then just found a way to faithfully uh, lead and serve and uh, be a good steward, and then where that takes them, because it can take them on some very interesting journeys. So, um, so Adrian, welcome today to our podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. Blackaby. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Well, thank you. And tell us, uh, just for those who don't know you, t- tell us just maybe the, some highlights. Uh, you're a leader, and you've had a, you've had some really uh, very interesting roles over the years. Uh, Tell us, give us a snapshot of who uh, Adrian Bracey is. (laughs) Well, sure. Well, first, I am child of God, uh, wife, a mother. I've worked for over 40 years uh, in the workplace, and most recently as a CEO of a nonprofit, a large nonprofit, YWCA. Uh, And prior to that, I spent 18 years working in the NFL, uh, most recently, my last job was a CFO for the Arizona Cardinals football team. And prior to that, um, I just worked in various positions uh, out of college. I'm uh, an accountant by trade and a CPA, and now I am retired and doing God's will. Huh, good. And I assume you were doing God's will before you retired. <laughs> and now that- oh, my gosh. Yes. Now is a whole nother level. You know, when you when you. When you're out of the work, the corporate business working place, you you get to really uh, spread your wings. So I'm I'm you're right. I've been doing God's will for oh my gosh for a long time. Yes, I gave my my life to the Lord at ten. So yes, for a long time. Right. And you and you've worked for a couple of different football teams, haven't you, over the years? 
Yes, the Miami Dolphins, uh, St. Louis Rams, and the Arizona Cardinals football team. Yeah, and that's and we'll probably want to just kind of I, I know for a lot of our football fan listeners they'll be they'll be curious about that what what that kind of experience was like. And you've worked uh, with the YWCA, uh, and I know that you have a heart for. Uh, Working especially with women and girls and just uh, helping them to become all that God has for them. And I I, I picked up that that's one of the passions that you have. And uh, I think that's just wonderful. Um, Well, well, tell me just in you've had such a diverse from going from working for professional NFL football teams to leading YMCA and YWCA and um, and just leading nonprofits and and uh, coaching, mentoring. You've just you've had such a rich experience. Um, but tell me along the way, what, what have been some challenges for you? Because we've just discovered through uh, all these podcasts, it seems, that it's never just a very uh, clear, simple, easy path. I, I think part of what becoming a leader involves is overcoming challenges. And what have been some that you faced in your, uh, in your journey? Um, you know, it, I faced several, being a woman and then being a black woman. Um, so I've had the uh, challenge of not being, uh, I guess, taken seriously because I'm a woman. Um, I, I don't think that I was ever totally disrespected, uh, but there was an underlying uh, of, uh, not disrespect, so to speak, but more or less not really uh, taking me seriously. That was one of the tough things um, that I had to overcome at it early age. So uh, just being able to to have the confidence and being 150% better than my male colleagues. And that's how I always had to feel that I had to be 150% better. Wow. And I'm, I'm guessing, especially in uh, a National Football League, you, uh, a female, I don't know if that's if there's a if there's are there certain male sort of dominated cultures or not, but uh, any any uh, any other just insight? I know I, I'm a I'm a Caucasian male, and I want to understand what others go through, you know. And so, mm-hmm. as an African American female going into a what would I guess be considered a, a man's world in some ways, football league. Uh, anything else that you that you know that, that you had to overcome? You you said you had to do 150 percent instead of maybe a, a normal 50 or 100%, but uh, anything yes. else, especially, or maybe just even advice for, you know, because I, I certainly as a male myself, I want to be sensitive to what uh, females face. I, I just, I might be oblivious to it though, because it's not my world. Um, but anything else that you like advice or things that you saw that need to be addressed or. Sure. Um, so I, I remember even prior to the NFL, I worked in a male-dominated environment. It was an aviation company, and uh, my my boss was uh, originally from Israel. He left after four years, and when he left, his replacement came from Israel, and I was the controller of the company, and he really didn't feel comfortable working with a woman and then an African-American woman, so he actually brought in a man over me. Um, as the chief of staff, so to speak, that I reported to, to this guy. And so that was my first real, and I was probably 30 years old or so. Um, and Richard, when I can tell you the feeling that I had. And so one advice I would say is that 
at least give women an opportunity to, to show what they can do before you have that unconscious bias mm. that you don't even realize that you are that that you have this a lot of people don't understand that what that means but it's it's perception really you 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 take you look at me and you assume well she's 30 she's black she's a woman so she definitely can't do this job and that's just an unconscious bias before giving me the opportunity to let you see my skills and then if there's something wrong or something that I'm not doing right just tell me instead mm-hmm. of just assuming that I cannot do the job. And so that was my first experience. And I would say, and, and, and I have, you know, I had to tell a couple of my colleagues that don't just assume, don't you just give the person an up, op- give the woman an opportunity and then just help us, you know, just be more of um, a, a mentor and, instead of just assuming that I can't do the mm. role. And so, that, and so that that's kind of that was my first experience. It was a very tough one. Wow! And if you just for all those who are either African American or or female, do you have any advice for them? They're trying to make their way in this leadership world. Any any advice to them? Because certainly there's been lots of discussion about that and uh, disparities and uh, injustice and so on. But in this world as it is, you know, we we can't we can't. Uh, function in worlds that don't exist. This is the world, but, uh, and we only get one chance at it. We only have one life to live. So any advice on saying, Hey, if you're female, if you're African-American, whatever it might be, here's some advice just as you enter into the leadership world yourself. Sure. So what for sure I would advise is to make sure you know your job. That's the first thing is and I always felt the reason why I had to be 150% is because I didn't want to give anyone an excuse not to promote me. So know your job, have confidence in your job. But if there's something on the job in leadership that you don't know, always, always ask. A lot of people are embarrassed, their ego, their pride, or maybe they just don't know. But if you if you're not sure, if you have an inkling that I really don't understand this project, whatever it is, as a leader, ask, Hmm. you know, and so that that's the first thing I would say is to, first of all, be prepared because you never know when that leadership opportunity is going to knock. You never know. So be prepared. I decided that I wanted to get my MBA. I already had my CPA, but I wanted to get my MBA because I didn't want I didn't want to to have an opportunity that came on my knocking at my door and I, and I didn't have that that credential that I needed. And so happened. That's exactly what I needed when I entered the, the NFL. I didn't know that at the time. Hmm. Uh, but two years after working for the Miami Dolphins, the treasurer for the stadium resigned. But I had just like within three or four months uh, a seat, received my MBA. And that's what I needed. So being prepared. Ask for help if you don't know. Uh, find a mentor, uh, someone who, uh, you know, I joined the National Association of Black Accountants. And so I, I would suggest uh, if there is a black professional organization to join that black professional organization, because in that organization, you're going to have people that understand who are like you and may have had experiences that you may encounter or you may have already encountered. And but having that that group 
that organization that totally gets it. Hmm. Uh, uh, that was also important for me as well. Oh, good. Well, and it sounds like you've, uh, you know, I think all leaders, when you look back, you realize there were certain moments where we, we had aha moments or we had maybe a mentor, a supervisor that just gave us some wise counsel that uh, really helped. It might have been a book we read or a conference we went to. Might have just been an experience that God unpacked for us, but but as you look back over your your journey, uh, are are there some particular things you learned, um, insights that just really helped you, and and maybe it was from a, a person who gave advice, might have been something you read, but what what are some of those le- leadership lessons that have just really borne a lot of fruit over the course of your career? So I've had several, several lessons, some good, um, some lessons I learned through experience. It wasn't really someone taught me. It was something that I experienced yes. and it was a lesson uh, that I learned. And so uh, I was fortunate to, to, to have a family, my grandmother, who um, when you know, I was 19 or 20, the lesson she taught me was uh, to be trustworthy, have integrity, She told me this. I was about 19 or 20. And I said, Grandma, how have you worked for this one family? She was uh, a nanny for this one family for 40 years. They would leave her with the key. They would leave for for two, three months and leave her with the key to the house. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, they lived on Miami Beach. And so that was a big deal in Miami at the time. And so she said, because they trust me, Adrian. If you when you start working, when you graduate from college, that's the key. And so that was one of the lessons that I learned earlier on. And I think is the reason I'm truly, I believe is the reason why I am where I am today is because of the integrity. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, the other lesson I learned, and this is from my husband, he, when I went into the NFL, he said, Adrian, men don't always like a long story. So don't build the clock. <laughs> just tell the time. <laughs> and I can understand, like, don't build the clock. Just tell the time. What do you mean? You don't have to tell the whole story. So when I come home, I would say, oh, dear. He'll say, how was your day? And I would have told him the whole story. He said, no, stop. You're building me the clock. <laughs> Just tell me the time. So, so that lesson really helped me uh, in the boardroom and with men, you know, just get to the point. I don't have to tell a long story. So that was a really uh, uh, important lesson that I had to learn. Interesting. Another lesson I learned that really helped me in the uh, male-dominated environment was not to be so emotional. A lot of times women are known to be emotional hmm. and my husband doesn't like that. And I realized <laughs> that in the boardroom with these men, you know, I have to really don't let them see you sweat. That's real. Hmm. And so, uh, so, so those are just some of the lessons, but integrity, I think was my first lesson at 19 from my grandmother that I adored. And, wow. um, and so that really propelled my career. Now it sounds like you've had quite a legacy yourself. I mean, your parents, were they, uh, God followers was your your grandparents. You know, Richard, I had a very interesting life, um, and I I wrote a book, and I put in my book my my chapter one was called I think it's my story, my halftime story, and tell I wrote us your it name. We're, we'll have your book in in the the show notes so people can oh, get it. Sure. But what's what is the name of the okay. book here? It's called Halftime. Learn to pivot as a leader and identify the next step. I put halftime because for me and working in the NFL, that's where coaches get to evaluate what worked and what didn't work for the mm-hmm. first half. And uh, are there any changes, any adjustments? Do we need to pivot? And so uh, so I've had to do that all my career. Hmm. Uh, my mom had a mental illness uh, when I was born. She had a nervous breakdown and never recovered. Hmm. But she left me on the steps of family members 
And then I, at 10, I was adopted by another family uh, member family. Wow. And my t- at 10 years old is when I learned um, about the Lord. And that's when I gave myself to the Lord. So I had a loving family, um, and especially at 10. So I had, yes, I've, I've been loved. Wow. And how loved. did that, yeah. you sound like you, obviously you handled that very healthily. Uh, but boy, I tell you, people could have that same upbringing and have turned in lots of bad places uh, and struggled. How did you come out so healthily through that? It is only God. I really have to say that because I'm the youngest of six and you're absolutely right. Some of my siblings, unfortunately, got caught up in that environment. We grew up in Liberty City, the area with drugs, prostitution. Uh, But at 10, I was adopted and my adopted family took me out of Liberty City and so my new mom and dad, you know, we lived in a different areas, but my five siblings, unfortunately, remained in Liberty City in that environment. So hmm. um, it was just God. I, I just, I believe that. It, wow. That's that's it. Wow. And, and of course, the Lord, but my, my mom, my adopted mom, she instilled in me, she said, Adrian, if you go to college, you can one day become a successful businesswoman. And I just believed her, you know, right. and so... That's, and you yeah, did. Sort of a, I, <laughs> and I am right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I know that you do coaching uh, and mentoring and so on. Um, you're, you're, you know, it's it's so great to see that you're investing all that you've learned into the the next yes. generation and to others. Uh, you're so generous with with sharing what you've learned. Um, and wh- how do you, you know, we, of course, our ministry has a coaching ministry too. We really believe in that, in that, that approach. Mm-hmm. And what, what kind of things when you're, uh, maybe you're working with say another woman or a, a young girl, what are you trying to accomplish with them? You, you're sitting down with them and interacting with them. And what, what kind of things are you trying to do as you, as you try to help folks um, get to where God wants them to be? Well, first, I explained to them the difference between coaching and mentoring, because people think that as a coach that I have all the answers and that I'm going to give them all the answers. And I explained to them that's not really coaching. That's more of mentoring and advising and consulting. But as a coach, you have all the answers within you. My job is to ask the right questions to help pull that out. And if you do get stuck, then I can put another hat on, a consulting hat or a mentoring hat to help you get unstuck. And so I, I, what my, my, my desire uh, and what I believe is my purpose is to help women and men if I, you know, if I, if I have to, to coach men, but primarily it's been women. Men take a lot help. more work, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they do. My husband, oh my gosh, yes. Oh, geez. But number one, he thinks he knows everything. So, you know, men know everything. Yes, so that's right. a whole other issue. <laughs> uh, and if they don't, they don't want to hear it from a woman anyway. So <laughs> No, no. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. We have right. so many issues. <laughs> God bless you all. Uh, so really just helping women, um, to to achieve their goals and to to become unstuck in whatever whatever whether it's personal career, um, I have one one client right now that I am just so thrilled because she wanted to quit her job, but through coaching, she's now flourishing on her job. So you don't have to leave a job to to really to 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 do God's will and for your life. And so she discovered that. So it's really helping her bring out what's already in her Hmm. um, and just helping them to, to just, you know, trust and believe that 
God has that purpose for you. You just have to trust him. And I'm fortunate to be able to coach women who are believers. Hmm. Um, and so that's kind of my niche is, uh, but you know, I've had women who are, who are not believers and, but they're more of career. They're just focused on their career. And so that's a whole different coaching yeah. um, that I, that and I we should that. say you're in the St. Louis area, aren't you? So uh, Correct. Yes. So anyone uh, looking for a coach, there's uh, if you're in the St. Louis area, especially any any other issues that you see these days as you work with um, women in particular, are there some kind of common threads that keep coming up, uh, some common challenges, or is it kind of all over the map? It's kind of all over the map, especially since COVID. Hmm. A lot of emotions, a lot of uh, anxiety and stress. Um, and so I do explain to, to women that if it's more of a medical, I, I suggest women to get a therapist, a therapist, hmm. because a lot of times, you know, you know, especially women of color, uh, we just didn't grow up going to a counselor or to a therapist. Hmm. That was a, a no, no, you know, you just, you figure it out or you go to God or whatever, but you never get help. You never go to a psychologist or anyone. Uh, so I always tell, uh, if it's really serious, sometimes a coach is not enough. Yeah. You may need to get more professional help. So I'm seeing that now uh, women are getting are opening up to speaking to a professional uh, therapists, uh, psychologists, what have you. Um, but one thing I think for a leader, for me, what was really important is being self-aware. Hmm. Uh, so as a, as a leader, I think it's important because when you're self-aware of yourself, it helps you to become self-aware of your team. And then you can, you have that, that um, discernment within your team of what different team members may need because it's not one size fit all. And being able to identify that and make the change quickly uh, for in my life as a leader, I have actually kept the wrong person on the team way too long. Hmm. And, and, and that's one of the things that I think that I, if I could do it over again is I would make sure if I know the team member is not the right person, you, you need to make that change. Hmm. What, what causes you to do that? When, when, I, when you look back, what, what uh, motivated you to keep someone even when you perhaps knew that they weren't the right fit? That's a very good question. And now that I can look back, part of it was emotional hostage. That's what I call it, because hmm. I was afraid that that particular person was actually going to file a lawsuit against me hmm, yeah. because I had that in my previous, I, I had that before a, a, a black person who actually filed a lawsuit against me for, uh, for discrimination, right. black on black. So, um, and so this person was, was black as well. And I was honestly, that's one of the main reasons I, I you know, I just didn't want to deal with the conflict. I didn't want to deal with uh, the legal issues and all of that. And so, so hmm. I allowed fear. It was fear. Hmm. Let's just call it what it is. It was fear of having to deal with that. So I kept the person hoping that the person would leave, but that doesn't always happen. What happens, well, what has happened to me is then the team itself becomes dysfunctional Yeah. because I allowed that person to stay uh, instead of even, and maybe not even firing, maybe just putting that person in a, another role. Maybe they are just not right for that role. And so as, as a leader, you know, we, we have to, to know that. And uh, sometimes it's just uh, what more likely is fear. You're wow. just afraid to let the person go for whatever reason, different fears, but a fear. Yeah. You know, I've, I've just witnessed that uh, a, a case I'm aware of uh, a 
someone that's obviously has emotional issues and but they're but it's everyone else's fault and uh and so you you just you just don't know what they're going to do. They're like a time bomb. You, you don't want them going off and you're on your watch. And so, yeah, you, you, oftentimes we're just, it's, it's great to be long suffering if there's hope and promise, but sometimes long suffering patience just means it's going to, they're just more deeply embedded and they've done more damage before they leave. So yeah, that, that's, that's a tough a one. Point. I think as a that's Christian a too, one. sometimes, you know, we feel like we're supposed to be uh, long suffering and I think we should be patient but but there's also an accountability to the organization we lead that if there's something dysfunctional and broken that we don't allow it to just continue either. There's some integrity involved there. That is so true. And, I, and I've had both cases where I've been long suffering and it worked out. Hmm. I actually had an employee who was not the right at the time when I hired her. She didn't really have the skills. And, and I knew that. But the, it's the spirit just told me to keep her for whatever reason. And I did. And it turned out to be the best thing ever. I gave her another uh, task and she just, oh my gosh, she blew it up the water. And I thought, oh, so now she was in the wrong position. So I put her to, gave her another role Hmm. and she, so, so that worked out. So I've had both cases. Well, now now you're, you've worked for three different NFL teams and there's, uh, I'm sure there's some football fans uh, just drooling at the thought that you could work for three uh, different (laughs) football teams. Any any sort of experiences or stories that for all of our football fans would think that that was just really a cool thing that you got to witness or someone you got to meet or just some, just the inside workings? You were, you, you know, the, of course, there's always the stuff that happens on the field that's pretty important, but there's a whole lot of logistics happening off the field that enables those uh, players to play the game. Uh, but anything that comes to mind that maybe was just a really interesting experience you had just because you were working with some of these football teams kind of putting you on the yes, spot actually, there. oh no 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 it's great um so for the with the miami dolphins uh, of course i had a chance to meet don shula and dan marino so that was exciting oh, yeah. in itself yeah uh, i was you know from miami so that was fun and i just remember we were playing the buffalo it was the uh, buffalo bills and we were it was a home game and we were favored and the, the winner goes to the Super Bowl, and I had my clothes packed because we're going to win. We're at home. It's Dan Marino. Of course we're going to win. So we uh, packed, ready to go, and we lost. Oh. And I, that was like, oh, my gosh. I was so, so hurt. Hmm. But that's an experience I'll always, I'll always remember. But the most experience with the Dolphins was when, the, unfortunately, the Robbie family, Joe Robbie, owned the Dolphins and the stadium. They didn't do the uh, proper estate planning. So they end up selling the team to Wayne Heisinga, who uh, was a businessman. And so when they sold it to Wayne, my career really flourished because uh, it was a business model. We changed the entire financial uh, system. Uh, It was just awesome. So that was an experience I'll remember forever. Uh, That's when we got into budgeting and departments being accountable. I took that experience with me to the St. Louis Rams and implemented that same experience with the Rams uh, and then to the Cardinals. So I'll always be thankful for that experience with Wayne Heisinga. Hmm. Um, And at the Rams, of course, it was uh, working with such a great group, Dick Vermeil, Coach Dick Vermeil and Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner is exactly what you see. Oh yeah. Have you seen the movie about him that's out? 
you know what? I have not. I'm embarrassed. I was, I, I just, you know, I'm waiting for it to come out. Is it out streaming? Yeah. That's what I'm waiting oh, for. Oh, okay. Because... I don't know. I, yeah. But I've heard great things. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. My dad actually, I've when the great. year that he won the Super Bowl was MVP, uh, my dad actually was the, the chaplain to the football teams on the Super Bowl. And, oh. and actually was in a, led a worship time with Kurt Warner and the, and the Christians who came and, a Warner actually signed a, a football card that he, for each of my dad's kids. And so that was really special to us, you know, uh, and, and my dad felt the same way. I felt he was the real deal. Um, He's the real deal. Yeah. What was Shula yes. and those guys like Marino did, uh, you know, it's always interesting to see them on TV, but uh, you yeah. off camera, it's yes. going to be a different story. <laughs> yes. You know, they weren't uh, so Don, Coach Don Shula and Coach Dick Vermeil, two totally different people. Dan Marino and Kurt Warner, totally different. Hmm. Uh, the Dolphins with uh, Coach Shula and Dan Marino, they were more of the old school, um, just that old school mentality. You know, women, you, you, you're not to, to come anywhere near the players, whereas at the Rams, we're like family. Hmm. For 12 years, I was with the Rams. My son played with... Uh, Isaac Bruce, you know, throwing the ball. Hmm. Kurt was down in the training facility. He would throw the ball to the kids. And so that was more of a family-oriented uh, environment. And I think that's probably why I stayed for 12 years. Hmm. Uh, and then, of course, going to the Super Bowl was fun. But then the Arizona Cardinals was a different environment from the other two, but was more like the Dolphins. Hmm. Um, and I remember when I first uh, took the job with the Arizona Cardinals, I had to send uh, someone, a guy downstairs to the locker room to tell Kurt that I was here. And he came up and we hugged and I said, Kurt, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. And of course, in 2009, we actually did go to the Super Bowl. So that was fun. That that uh, was fun. So I had a chance to work with Kurt at the Rams and with the Arizona Cardinals. So that was that was nice. Wow. Did uh, maybe just one last question for you, Adrian. I just, you know, you've 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 worked in some pretty secular settings, and yet I I have a sense that God has certainly guided you as a leader, even when it, you you weren't, you know, it's we we like to emphasize God can be involved in your leadership whether you're a pastor of a church or you're working for a professional football team. Uh, God is just as involved. Any any um, lessons you learned, or any anything in particular, where God's presence in your life just really enabled you to do uh, to be successful or overcome a, a challenge? Uh, sure, and, and I believe I was successful because I always put God first. I mean, I wore it on my sleeves. No one, um, you know, I didn't have that sexual harassment uh, experience that some women go through. And I truly believe it's because I, I wore my my love for God outwardly. Hmm. So I, you know, I really fortunately um, I've had those incidents here and there, but nothing um, that I could really even be upset. It was just um, one of those things. But hmm. what really I, I I really think I started a women's prayer group with the with the St. Louis Rams. Hmm. And I, I remember uh, one in particular young lady who had never been to church. She just didn't go to church. She doesn't believe in church, but she accepted the Lord during our prayer uh, service. Uh, it was Bible study, actually. And so that I will remember. Um, I'll remember that the rest wow. of my life. And I think that really helped me to, you know, the good thing with the NFL that, you know, they, they allow 
prayer and Bible study, they embraced the players who embraced the Lord. So there was never a shunning of anything. So when I wanted to start a women's Bible study, of course, absolutely. Hmm. On the contrary, now I went to the YWCA, with, which is Young Women's Christian Association, and it was not accepted oh, really? so much. Yes. And that was so stunning to me. Like, Adrian, you because I would pray before we had a staff meeting. We had 300 employees and I wanted to open up in prayer. But Adrian, you know that we, we don't know if we can do that. And you know, we get federal money and you're not supposed to pray. And, hmm. But um, I did, you know, I did anyways. <laughs> Somehow uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, Adrian, I, I knew that our time would fly by because you yes. are such an interesting person and have done so many amazing things. And what an encouragement that is, though. What an inspiration. I uh, really encourage people uh, to get her book. We'll we'll li- we'll leave uh, links to it in the show notes so you can find it, and uh, if you live in the St. Louis area, uh, boy, I tell you, if you can connect with her, uh, if you're looking for a coach, uh, there's uh, she's just a, a valuable resource and a treasure for God's kingdom, and so thank you for uh, just letting us uh, get a chance to get to know you and hear a little bit of your story. What an inspiration, and I have a, I have a firm conviction that the. Uh, the, the story's not yet over with you. <laughs> I have a feeling God's going to take everything that he's built into your life and use it for some great things to come still. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, Dr. Blackaby, for being on your uh, podcast, your show. And and I just pray God's continued blessings upon you and, and your ministry and all the listeners. Um, God bless. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.